0: Welcome to the Art of Strategic Reaction podcast. I'm Kyle Brost, a strategist and changemaker. I'm the CEO of Spark Policy Institute, founder and principal at Choice Strategy Group, and contributor to Forbes, Thrive Global, and Influencer. I lead at the intersection of strategy and impact, where I turn ordinary individuals into strategists and change makers. Let's get started. Hey, 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 my friends, this is Kyle Brost here with another episode of The Art of Strategic Reaction. have a phenomenal guest on today, Stephen Kuhn, has an incredible story, been all over the world, uh, served in the military, um, has helped companies recover and succeed all over the globe. He now lives in Hungary with his family. We're going to get to dive into the details of his story, how he got to where he is, and some of the just amazing experiences that he's had. So, uh, Stephen, welcome to the podcast, my friend.
1: Thank you so much. Um, Honored to be here, my friend.
0: Likewise. Excited to have you. So, I mean, you just have one of these backgrounds that you read some of these notes in terms of the things (laughs) that you've been doing and accomplishing. And it's just insane. It's like, how does one person do all of this stuff? I mean, from being homeless, living with monks, working with, you know, uh, Olivia Newton John, like serving in the military, being a decorated veteran, working with companies all over the yeah. globe. How did a life like that come to be? Good question.
1: Uh you know, I think if I if I boil it all down and then sort of take a take a panda view of it, I think it's because I always took what came. And I didn't try to fight it, I didn't change it, I didn't mm. try to make something out of it, I said whatever came to me, I saw the best in it, and I made the best out of it. Um, and so, what happens when you do that is you are constantly attracting positivity, uh, uh, excitement. I mean, I could tell you stories, and that I don't understand myself how they happen, but I end up standing on stage with Mick Jagger, you know, um, and looking at, at my at one of the the icons of our generation of actually the last two generations. And you know, I'm sitting there going, I can't believe I live in history. And I think what, what a lot of it has to do with it, I was very conscious from a very young age. So I always knew when moments in my life were moments in my life that, that I would remember forever. And I knew it in that moment. So I, in that moment, I would almost detach from who I was. First time I was like um, uh, 18 or 19 years old. detached who I was and realize this is a moment I will never forget. This is changing me right now. And I think... I don't know where it comes from but i think that's one of the main reasons that i was always able to take for whatever it was make something out of it and realize that was a changing moment in my life
0: we never know what's going to be coming to us in life and some of those things are going to be really crappy and hard and uh you know miserable to kind of go through but just this appreciation for the fact that we're living and that those experiences are ours to take ownership of and so I, it just made me think of that when you say i always took what came that yeah. idea of come what may and love it.
1: Well, and, and it's it's true, but the thing is, this most people who you say that to, they're like, oh, come on, you know that wishy washy BS. You know, um, uh, it's always good for you to say because you have money. It's easy for you to say because you did this. It's easy for you to say because it's mm. always that excuse, and that's that right there. That in itself is one of the reasons why they don't have that feeling is because they're looking for reasons why it can't be. So yeah. um, that that words mean. Everything. Our words, I mean, our our belief, our, our faith, our certainty in life, they are dependent upon the words and the self-dialogue that we have. So if I'm telling myself I'm not going to make it, guess what? You're not going to make it. doesn't matter how much you believe. Because if you say you believe, but you're telling yourself you're not going to, then it's not going to work. So the, a lot of people don't even realize how they're sabotaging their entire life by, by doubting and putting others down. You know, it's just the doubting themselves and putting others down who say, look, appreciate what you have and look at what you have not what you don't have oh come on i need money everybody needs money i didn't say that you know it's like stop looking for the bad things in life and start appreciate looking for and feeling and seeing and finding the good things that makes the yeah. whole difference, man, and it's like I don't like being wishy-washy and spiritual. I mean, I spent time in a monastery, eight months with monks uh, in, in, in uh, Austria, right, right after I tried commit suicide, I was homeless. Uh, so I went to the monks, and uh, you know I was very spiritual then, and I was one of those goofballs and walked around and said, "Hey, you know, love the world, all that kind of stuff." And I realized really quick that, although that, that was amazing for me, it didn't do anything for the world around me it didn't do anything it didn't impact anybody new it didn't do anything so i decided uh, that i'm going to take what i have there and put it into the business world and turn teams into these amazing powerful you know um, cohesive co-productive uh, teams uh, that just prop companies to the superstar status through the um, the application of what you know what we're going to get into hit and take your transparency that all came from the spiritual world but the problem is we people get stuck in one place and they're either spiritual or they're not and that middle ground. You know?
0: Well, so that that sentiment that you started with early on, that sentiment of, well, I don't even know what you call it, but that sentiment of, well, you've got these things because of some other factor that I don't have. You, you know, you've got you've been able to do this right. because you've got money, or because you had you know supportive parents, or because you had uh, whatever. It's it, it, it's so prevalent that mindset of. Somebody else has all of these things or has been able to accomplish all of these things because of some factor that wasn't theirs and that I don't have. That is such a prevalent mindset. It, it literally surfaces with some of the most incredible people I've met. And I'm always shocked that that is the mindset. Why do you think that mindset is so prevalent? To attach these things out of our control to other people in order to give the, the that thing Credit for their success versus or giving or, them or credit, giving them the credit
1: or giving something else credit for them not being successful, right? Is is, is even you know right? Yes,
0: yeah, right, right. right. For me personally, like, right. oh, I'm not right. successful because so, I don't well, have I, th- I think things. it has a lot to
1: do with the way we're tr- we're, we're taught nowadays, especially the, the newer generation. You know, I'm I'm 52, so people my age, they've either you know, um, a lot of people have either gotten into the coasting mode, sort of coasting along and doing what they're just doing. And then you have other people like me who just always feel like, okay, and now I'm just getting into it. i you know. <laughs> just now getting started, you know, All constantly and always. And there, there's a difference in, in a mindset there and it's a lot to do with how you, I think, how you were raised and how you were brought up in the world and who, 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 who your heroes and mentors were, what you did for your life. Because a lot of people aren't just aren't Geared, trained, never been um, put in contact with, or been around people that were always hungry, and that always looked for that next level, and that always and I'm not saying being bigger, better structure. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about. Look, I, I, I had a mentor, Charles Oyster. He was 98 years old the last time I saw him. He died recently, I mean, right right after that last year. He was uh, a bodybuilder. He started at 83 to bodybuild. Then he started rowing. Then he started running. He was the world champion at his age and like 20 disciplines. And he started all of this at the age of 83. And I said, how can you possibly do that? And he said, look, Stephen, the secret to a long life is always be challenging yourself, always have goals, mid uh, and a, a short, mid, and long-term goals. And never say to yourself, when I reach there, I'm done, because you'll never be done. As soon as you're done, you're literally done. So, and, and I've taken that on even more passionate than I have before. I think if you're not put up, if you're not, you know, if you don't have access, if you're not exposed to these kind of people, these kind of mindsets and things, that's what normality looks like. Oh, I can't, only the rich can do that, or that won't work for me, or you're lucky, or I have no luck, and that kind of stuff. And it's all comes down to one thing for me, and that's dialogue, right? So if I have a dialogue with myself, that it'll never work for me, that I'm not rich, that it won't happen. Well, then guess what? Hopefully that's what's going to happen when you believe.
0: Yeah. You know what's yep. interesting? I went through this activity recently with some uh, with some friends, um, where we spent a week really exploring what are what are our our individual greatest fears, right? And uh, and the one that I arrived at that just when I realized that it was one of my biggest fears that just hit me was one of my biggest fears is running out of things to grow into. Oh really? Yeah. So this idea that like. I worry about my success because I worry my fear is that I will become complacent and that I won't have anything else to grow into that, that I'll just run to this. I'll get to this place where I'm like, Oh, you know, I've got, all the money that I need. I've got this wonderful family. So now I just coast. That is one of my biggest fears that that mindset will hit me.
1: Let me put, let me put your mind to rest, my friend. Um, because it's like every time you reach a level, every time you reach a certain position, every time you, you cross a threshold, reach a milestone, another door or 10 or a hundred doors open. Um, and each time that the doors open, you're going to see more ways to go. And you might go through one door, come back and go through the other door. Uh, you might you know sort of split yourself and try to go through three or four doors at the same time and then guess what you're gonna meet another hundred people per door and the next thing you know you're doing side deals quick collaborations you're meeting people maybe you want to move all of a sudden look I'm living in Hungary you know who'd have thought that ten years ago five years you know okay ten years ago I came here okay 20 years ago who would have thought that you know uh, <laughs> time flies my friend let me tell you um so, you know when, when you think of it that way you you that's a fear that's 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 that can't happen to someone like you in my opinion, because as you move forward, as you build your business, you're building a life and an entire lifestyle. And this is the difference between someone setting targets and someone setting goals. Targets fall. Once you reach them, they're over. Goals never end. The goal of having a Bentley, for instance, that's a target because once you have a Bentley, what do you do then? But if you want to set goals, you set a lifestyle of someone who owns a Bentley. You understand the difference? right so your lifestyle mm, yeah. is obviously one of someone who I'm just saying bentley as an example not not that i would ever want one but you're sure. you're you're what, the way i understand you and the way I've, I've looked at your website and we've talked a little bit and we have we share the same agency is that you're someone who's building a lifestyle around your beliefs and your actions that's powerful man because you're sucking people into that you're you're touching many 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 more people than someone who's just making money for themselves in a business or let's say as an employee or whatever it is. So I opinion I wouldn't even worry about that. That's that's a non that's a non-fear.
0: Well I appreciate it. I hope I you know I hope that's the case. <laughs> and I hope honestly by having that fear that to your point maybe it's evidence that I don't need to worry about it. Um so typically, yeah, typically I mean you just like glanced over some really big things as we've been having this conversation. So talk to me about homelessness and a monastery. How how what exactly was happening at that point in your life and did you mention uh suicide attempt yes i did yes i did man well, so you know, well, i mean
1: it, it was it was a it's a whole long story but let me give you the, the abridged version is that when i got back from iraq in 1992 uh, i got almost immediately got out of the army and I, I got what they call a european out and i stayed in germany where i was stationed for eight years before that so i was stationed in germany eight years went to iraq came back in germany got out and stayed there and then suddenly i was in this foreign country and i tried to get jobs and this that, and the other. Day. Out and it did work out. It took a while here, here, here. I had some fights, and anyway, so I ended up about four year, three or four years later. I was a, a corporate um, director for Europe for European operations and development for a British PLC, which is a public listed company. Big wig, making you know three hundred grand plus a year, which was amazing for me because I just got out of the army as a tanker. I had absolutely no education or anything, um, and um, I, you know, promoted that position and I, I, because it was all about results. And then I ended up um, getting my MBA at Bradford, in the university, uh, in Bradford University in the UK, which is one of 57 out of 10,000 business schools that are triple accredited. Don't ask me how I got in, but I got in. And, um, you know, it, it, I had this career that I thought that everyone was supposed to have, right? So I was making all the money. I had the cars. I had the wife. I had the, you know, pretty stuff. And I had a good degree. And it all came tumbling down. Um, wife, money, job, all gone within a week. Uh, and that that.
0: How? I mean, what, what led up to that? Uh, Nothing. It was
1: just, it just happened. Like, you know, uh, you know, long story, my ex-wife did something wrong and it, uh, and it cost her uh, a lot. Uh, She, while she was doing what she was doing with someone else, they had an accident she broke her back and he broke both legs or something like that. And then um, it just, you know, that's, and then at the same time, um, I had, uh, (laughs) Anyway, so a lot of stuff happened where I I fell through the the whole thing with the money and then on the job they just said, okay, it was a joint venture that I was doing with an American company and a British PLC, and they said we're shutting it down. There was a hostile takeover of both boards of directors, and I was part of that whole board, so they just got rid of us. In a week, everything was gone. Um, And I survived that, literally did, but I was told by somebody, you're you now standing between two doors in front of two doors, and you're gonna choose one door. If you choose one door, you're gonna go the same route that you've gone before. If you, choose, if you choose another one, everything will change. So I, of course, gonna choose the other one, right? Everything has to change. Uh, but who who knows what that looks like? So I <laughs> yeah. I wrote a book. So I was out of a job, out of everything. So I wrote a book, and that book became a bestseller in Germany within two weeks. Like I wrote it in two weeks. Two weeks later, it was a bestseller. It was all it was was me brain dumping my time in Iraq and about how it made me feel personally and about my personal journey and the fears that I had and the anxiety and the PTSD at the time, no one knew what that was, Um, and the fights that I had and the aggression and how I hated myself and all these kind of things that came up in my life. It was a bestseller, so I traveled for a year on that. But in that year, I let myself go back to the old way, got back into the corporate world, worked with my twin brother in America, and he he opened up a, a mortgage charter bank. Uh, And we just started the whole process over again. Went back up the chain ladder. We worked with that. We started producing films in Hollywood. We started financing films in Hollywood and in New York. And I was over there every two weeks. And then, um, you know, I separated from my ex-wife and that kind of stuff. And then, of course, the crash, the 2008 crash. Um, Overnight, literally overnight, everything was gone. It was incredible how quick it happened. And next thing you know, I couldn't pay any bills. And I was out of everything. So I was in Germany, homeless. I rented my own apartment out to somebody else. He could pay the rent. And he let me stay on my own sofa every second weekend. So uh, so I could sleep on my own sofa every second weekend in the apartment that he was renting for me, which was actually mine. And uh, the rest of the time, I stayed in my car, visited ex-girlfriends and these, you know, that kind of stuff without getting on the nerves. Um, and then it just got to the point I was in a toxic relationship. I wasn't, I couldn't provide me as a provider. It was super difficult for me to be in a position where I couldn't provide. Um, she started getting on me and everything just collapsed. And one day we were driving down the road and she was complaining that, you know, you know, calling me names and everything getting get all upset about it. Just, just toxic relationship. And I told her to get out of the car, just get out of the car. So I, I hit the gas when she got out and I went right into a speed trap with the German police. And you gotta realize at the time I was about three hundred and twenty pounds, bodybuilder, huge, massive, because all my aggression was going into the weight. So six four, you know, three twenty. And okay. uh, I get out of this car, the police stop me with you know, like freaking out because I'm speeding yeah. in this in this slow zone. And I get out of the car, like I'm crying, or snot coming out of my, my, my eye, you know, it's so I just you know and I was like, and because it was only a hundred meters away from where I dropped her off, she walks up and she said, Oh, he's a war criminal. He take, you know, arrest him. And I'm going like, what is, why is she doing this? And I just freaked out and I grabbed the gun of the police officer standing beside me. It was a little girl, uh, a young woman, put it that way, that was probably in training or something. I grabbed her weapon.
0: So you grabbed her gun?
1: I grabbed her gun. Yeah. And I was going to oh, shoot wow. myself. I was going to shoot myself with the gun. Everybody froze. They tackled, my girlfriend at the time, because she was saying, "Do it, do it," um, and uh, that sort of just deflamed the op- you know deflamed the situation. She took my hand and pushed it back down into her holster, and there was a guy caught behind her, put his hand on top of mine too, and no one grabbed me, no one tackled me or nothing. It was like the strangest thing. So anyway, I let go. They put me in the paddy wagon. They talked to me for a while. They took my my girlfriend somewhere I don't know, and then they let me go home. Of course, without my car um, or without my license. And I was I was I was like sure. a five minute walk away from home. So I walked home. I got home and I sat there and said, "Geez, I really screwed up now, man. They're gonna come get me." So I uh, and I was done, man. I was like, I was I was out of money. I was out of house. I was to go a home. I went to my my buddy and said, "Let me in." And uh, you know, I went there and pulled out uh, in the closet because all my stuff was still there. I didn't have where to put it, so he just rented the whole place. So I pulled out my my um, my, my uh, uniform, hung wow. it on the on the door and took out a picture of myself, put it under the door, and then pulled out a big knife uh, uh, and uh was gonna cut my throat. As soon as I was gonna cut my throat, there was a banging on the door. And I was like, gee, I can't even kill myself. It's ridiculous. So so I went to the door and it was that little cop. It was that young cop. Um and she walked in, she said, Can I come in? I said, Yeah, and she took my hand, and put the knife down, didn't even like flinch, led me into my into the living room, and we sat down and she said, Look, I know you. This is not. This is not you. And I said, "What do you mean? You know me?" She said, "I was at one of your book readings last year, or whatever it was, a few years ago. And I know what kind of a person you are. And you're going to have. A, you're going to live a life of joy, happiness. You're going to spread love in the world. You have a massive impact. You have a wife and kids. And you're going to be very, very happy. So this isn't you. Don't do it." And I was like, "How do you?" I was just flabbergasted. Like, who is this? What is it? Who is this person? And so she got up. She got up and gave me the German kiss, boost, boost on both sides, you know, a kiss on each cheek. And she walked out. I'm still standing there with my mouth on, you know, my jaw on the ground. Yeah. And to this day, I don't even know if that was real. I don't know if it was. I can't. I can't say for certain that it was real because I looked for this girl a long time. I have a lot of friends that are cops, and no one knows who this person. <laughs> so, I don't know if I actually lost control of my conscious mind and it just took me somewhere. If God took over, if the universe took I don't know wow. what happened. So anyway, I stood there and I got online <clears throat> and I said to my buddy, Michael, in Austria, I said, either you come and get me or I'm not going to be here tomorrow. Cause I was done. I was, it was over. Um, and, uh, he literally immediately sent me plane tickets to Austria. I had no idea what was going on, where I was going to do, what I was going to do. And he drove me to a monastery. And it was the Benedictine monks and they dropped me off and he dropped me off. And I went into the monastery. I said, "Uh, I'm here. And they said, okay, we heard you're coming, follow us to your room. And they just gave me a room. And that way they left me completely alone. And I went to the monks the next day. I'm like, oh, here's the deal. I have this trouble, this trouble, that problem. He's like, go to the forest, my, my son, (laughs) like, what do you mean? Go to the forest. He's like, you need to calm down. (laughs) So I ended up spending eight months there and I discovered things about me that changed my life, my relationships, my self-belief. My faith, uh, my my belief in others, it changed everything. It made made me uh, into someone who I really, really love. And that was something that I couldn't say before that.
0: What was that experience like? I mean, going from this life of, it just sounds like pure chaos, as you're telling, you know, this last few years leading up to this, going from this life of pure chaos, and now you're just almost in isolation,
1: well, I was completely in isolation. Matter of fact, I had no cell phone or no laptop. Didn't even tell anybody where I was going. Didn't tell anybody. Uh, didn't pay any bills either. I just left. Um, and uh, it was complete. So I, the first week or two, I was going a little bit bananas because it was all of a sudden like hitting the brakes and just nothing. But I'll tell you what, um, the, it was see, Benedictine monks, they meditate also and they chant every morning at 45. So they have a chant prayer, they have meditation, and I said, "Well, let me let me do this." And man, the chant is the vibrations, right? So the vibrations go through your body when they're chanting, that sort of does something to your body. And then, uh, then you go and you you meditate as well. <clears throat> and then they have this beautiful Roman garden with like six or eight uh, different uh, groupings of trees and bushes that are actually meditation spots. Um, and, okay. and it's just it's it it took a while, but I realized that silence. Uh, Was the best thing for me at that time because talking was a diversion Listening was a diversion. I needed to find out who the heck I was Mm -hmm. and what I was So I stopped talking um, And it was and I I didn't talk to anybody I didn't you know converse Just nodded my head. I remember how many weeks four or five weeks. I didn't say a word And I remember the first time I said a word after that and it was like thunder and lightning was how loud it was I, I, I realized how much power I had behind me for no reason, like how loud I'd be for no reason, you know, especially it's like a, it's like a a trait of a lot of North Americans that are, that are, they're very loud, very, like, oh, it's just how we are, you know, and I, I never realized it until that day. And then after that, when I go to a restaurant or something, I can pick at 20 meters, 30 meters, I can pick the North Americans out of the crowd because of the loudest. And that, that's not because we're rude or brash. It's just how we're brought up to be self-confident and bold. Unfortunately, most of the time, that's only on the outside, and as it was in my case, I wasn't really self-confident and bold. I was acting like I was, um, and now I realize what true self-confidence and boldness is, and that's the humble masculinity in me. That's the humble alpha, is what we call it. Yeah, that's so. The humble alpha, the humble alpha, is that person that doesn't need to speak, doesn't need to say, doesn't need to yell, doesn't need to be loud. You know, so it's like it's like it's it's the base. It's like a nuclear reactor inside of you. It's just there you use it for that too. To,
0: yeah. This whole idea. I mean, you, you said something about, um, that talking was a diversion. Yeah. And I thought that was really poignant and I, I just made me wonder, you know, what are all of the other diversions, things that seem very ordinary on the surface seem very natural and, and typical and maybe even meaningful. But if you really understand, understand yourself are actually diversions from something else, diversions from, you know, pain that you don't want to address. Diversions from uncomfortable situations. So you use talking, or you use listening, or you use whatever it is as this diversion. And to you, it's easy to justify because it feels so normal and typical. But it really, at the core, is diversion.
1: Yeah, and the problem is with that is that we're taught to divert. You know, I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, if if you look at the Roman Empire shortly before its demise, right, the the Caesar said, "Let there be games for two years," and they basically put up. 24-hour uh, games in, in, the, in all the, the coliseums for two years, and, and, and within a few years of that, the whole empire died. You know, if we look at the world, sports are at an all-time high. For instance, right? Sports games as well, games—that's one of the diversions. Sure. That's one of the societal diversions. But your diversions as a human being is—and it's this—is this is, this is going to blow your mind because it's so simple. And, and and once you think about it, you're going to hear be like, okay, yeah, whatever. But once you think about it, and you actually apply it, it's going to change your life. And that is this. If you're worrying about something, bitching about something, complaining about something, talking about something, that you, no matter what you do, cannot change, just stop worrying about it. Completely get it out of your mind, and that will change your life forever. And I'm talking, I could go down a list, the weather, right? Oh, shit, it's raining. Oh, it's Monday. Yeah, it's going to be Monday next week, too, so don't don't even worry about it, right? It's, it's, it's raining. Yeah, it's going to rain yeah. again, so, or... You know, oh man, you know, the, this politician or that politician or, oh, why does this have a happy, if anything that you can't control is in your mind, get it out of your mind. And I'll tell you why, because that's when you come to your true power. If I'm diverted all the time, in six, six, seven, 12, 80 directions, especially if you're on social media where you're reacting to people all the time. Um, you know, you got to limit that too. just get it out. Like I don't even react to people. You know, I post what I want to post, and I hope that I get a good response, and when I get a good response, I'll, re- I'll respond. When I get a negative response, I don't respond. Um, it's just simple as that. Why? Because I'm conserving my energy for the things that matter to me. I'm conserving my energy to the, for, for the people who matter to me most. I want them to have the joy of life. I don't need to spend time on someone that doesn't want anything but to dump their frustration on me. I don't need to worry about the weather because the weather's going to change, and I can't control it. So... If you literally, every time right. you talk about something, every time you, you find yourself complaining or whatever, just stop and say, Can I change it? Nope. Okay, good. Forget about it. It's literally that simple. It might drive my wife nuts because she's still not used to it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I love the I, I love the idea of this like ultra focus, and, and I'd never even framed it in terms of these diversions that take you oh, yeah. away from those things that matter most and thinking about some of these very simple things that in so many ways can be huge diversions away from, you know, your goals, your purposes, yeah. your values, those kind of things. The other thing that I thought about when you're talking about spending eight months with monks and that contrast of being in silence and, and really the way that you came out of that. So the the whole idea of spending all this time in silence and with yourself and then coming out and being able to be more sensitive to other things, it reminded me actually, this is not anywhere close to the same as spending eight months with monks. But when I was in high school, a group of friends and I tried to stay up for 100 hours straight. Right, Like it was this goal of ours that, uh, you know, we'd read some studies about what happens with sleep deprivation. We thought it'd be really interesting to experiment with. So we stayed up. Uh, none of us made it 100 hours, but we made it, you know, some of us made it 50 hours, 60 hours, 70 hours, uh, a significant amount of time. And I think I remember about that is when I finally slept for literally months after that experience, I could get by on yeah. the, like two hours of sleep and feel incredible. And that lasted for so long because I had that contrast of what it really felt like to be physically yep. exhausted, like literally sleep deprived. And the contrast, I, for months, I could get by on just a couple of hours of sleep and feel amazing. And I wonder about just that whole principle. I mean, I think some of it was that contrast, right? You had this contrast and then coming out, everything seemed loud and, and big because you had the contrast. I wonder about our own lives, like creating those experiences that give us meaningful contrast.
1: Love it. I mean, it's, it's massive. And you're, I think you're, you, you, you nail it. I mean, it was like contrast that from, from, from massive stress moving all the time, traveling constantly, you know, all the money and the drinks and the, all that kind of stuff to absolute isolation monks who wouldn't even talk to you in the first couple of weeks. Um, Cause they, they, they didn't want to interfere with your decision-making process. You're finding your, your journey within. Right. Um, and, and, and that contrast is to this day still a source for my, so when I go out at night every night before you know, I go upstairs and with the kid, wife and kids and stuff, I go out in my backyard and I go behind the bushes and I just sit there and sort of absorb and I take some of that what I what I captured there and put it back into me, if you know what I mean. I reactivate it. It's a source of complete, come yeah. incredible inspiration. I go there as much as possible to go visit. I bring friends there. Everyone who comes and visits me, we go visit uh, you know, the monastery. I got a client coming in at the end of uh, at, the, at the end of September uh, that we're gonna go down there as well. I'm going to check it out. Okay. It's just something that's incredible and it, it carries, it goes with me wherever I go. So yeah, I think you nailed it with that contrast. That's incredible. And when I when, I, when you talk about sleep deprivation, I, I was awake for hundred hours, actually longer during Iraq. Yeah. And I was with Iraq and uh, I have to say that when I came back <laughs> after being awake uh-huh. that long, uh, it, was, uh, it wasn't that easy to get by on a little sleep. But now my power naps of of 15 minutes, 20 minutes a day are just – they're better than the six hours oh, of sleep. Yeah. Like those those power naps, man, those 15 minutes, those 10 minutes, boom. Right. I love them. Right. And so you wake up on your own. You wake up without even trying to wake up. It's just boom. I love it. So, yeah, you nailed it. That's actually great. That's a great observation. I love that.
0: Well, so I'm starting to kind of put this picture together in terms of your life and all these varied experiences and, and hit. So hit is honesty, integrity, and transparency. That's right. And what do you do with those principles? So you, you've arrived at these principles of honesty, integrity, and transparency. And what do you do with them? What's the power of those things?
1: Well, we, you know, I've been teaching those for 15 years and all my leadership courses, we had 30, I, we had 3,500 employees and I, I, you know, in nine countries, I, I, I taught all of them about HIT and it's all about, I used to call it self-leadership. So honesty, it's HIT, honesty, integrity, transparency. Honesty is being true to who you are and how you live. Transparency is communicating your honesty for anyone to observe, you know, on the internet or like we are right now. And integrity is, is the result and your ongoing reputation. So the result of honesty and transparency is integrity. And it's your ongoing reputation. So basically, when you live HIT, you have the clarity of who you are and exactly what you want in life. You live an incredibly happy life where everyone seems to help you every step of the way. And you naturally attract others who live by HIT, making life really easy and enjoyable. And and honestly, when you operate under HIT, you get an authentic connection, significance, and true happiness with everyone around you. And that's because every healthy relationship on the planet, whether private private, or professional is based on one thing, and that is every healthy relationship, and that is integrity. So, the byproduct of how you live is integrity, and that attracts these valuable relationships that just give, 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 give. And there's one thing that we talk about is in when you live by hit, you invest in relational capital, and that means you give others, and so that means when I, when I meet anybody. I elevate them. My only intention when I walk up to somebody, when I'm living by hit, is especially in a sales call or when I'm trying to sell something or they're trying to buy something, I'm trying to buy something, is my only intention has to be giving value. It can't be I know what I'm going to sell them, I have a preconceived notion, I have a cookie-cutter solution, I already know what they want. If it's that, there's pressure, there's some kind of friction in the air. But your only intention is to add value, They step into a space. The person across from you feels no tension, no push, no pull, no anything. They step into the space and we call that creating space. So They step into the space and suddenly the both of you are in a mini mastermind. You're creating these solutions and these ideas that you would never have had otherwise because you're all stuck in your own head. So when you create space, you may make enough space around you with no tension, no preconceived notions, no cookie cutter solutions. Your intention is to create value. They step in. They find their own greatness through your space come together, make a mastermind. And that's why I can make any deal possible. I win all the deals that I go into, not all of them, but most of the deals that I go into. And when I speak with somebody, it always comes out with a big smile. Why? Because we also practice the life prize system. Life Enterprise is just like a business enterprise. Me as a CEO of my own Life Enterprise answer only to the stakeholders, just like a real CEO. And the stakeholders, I'm responsible for them. And the stakeholders are anybody in my life. Lady down the street, cashier, my wife, my kids, my dad, you know, my buddies. And what does that mean? That means I elevate them every time I see them and add value. And I make sure that one thing, I leave them in a better place than when I approach them. And when you do that, my friend, your life changes for Everyone wants to be with you. Everyone wants to work with you. Everyone wants to see, see who you are. Everyone wants to get to know you. Look, I'm, I'm living in Hungary, right? In a small village outside of Budapest with 2,000 people. And I, I, I do three to four podcasts a week. I've been on TV. I speak all the time, going this week to, or in two weeks to Washington, D.C. To, to speak as well. How can that be, me living over here? You know, it's, it's because I invest in relational capital. I live the life, life, life enterprise model. And I live by hit. Those three things will change your life forever.
0: So there's a – I love the principles. And there are a couple of things that really stood out. So one is you said uh, live honesty in a way that others can observe it which I think that that's really powerful. It's different than just telling the truth verbally when you say live honesty in a way that others can observe it. The other thing that really stood out was this idea of integrity and results, that connection of integrity and results. And I, I, I totally buy into this. The question I have is doesn't it require a foundational belief that when you create other value for others, that you'll get something in return. Hey, the law of reciprocity, my friend, indeed. And that's the hard part.
1: That's called scarcity mindset. If you don't think like that, you're in scarcity mindset. And scarcity mindset uh, is what we what hit changes into abundance mindset, and that means being being able to give value in the exact moment when it's called for. Like I said, you show up holy and fully pre- and present, whatever comes, no agenda, not trying to solve anything. You're simply there to provide value to elevate others. You know, in today's world, you see people following a trend because they're like trying to be someone else and through someone else, or they're not living their true life because they don't know who they are. Hit allows you to dig through all those layers. And once you know who you are, you have certainty about yourself. And when you have certainty about yourself and about your message and why, why you're on this planet or in this universe... Um, then you don't worry about people stealing your ideas or looking at you weird or why would he do this or why would he do that because operating from a place of purity and hit. And when you do that, it doesn't matter what people say about you. It doesn't matter what they think. It doesn't matter how. I know 100%, without a doubt, I'm certain that I will get back, maybe not from that person, but I'm going to get back from somewhere. Law of prosody. The universe says, give what you have and you will always, always get back what you don't have. And I've proven it over and over and over again. It just happens. But... You have to invest in relational capital a little bit. You can't go to the stock market, put a dollar in and get a million dollars out. Same thing goes for relational capital. You have to do and practice it until it gets intrinsic where you're not even realizing you're investing in other people all around you all the time. Then the returns start coming 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 fold. And it's just ridiculous how how crazy it gets. To the point sometimes you're like, wow, you almost start doubting, okay, this is way too good. You know, (laughs) What's going to happen here? You know, and then, then the scarcity of mindset comes in again because it's going too good, too quick, or you know, too too long. So every yeah. time you hit that glass ceiling, yeah. you have that doubt again, that imposter syndrome, that doubt, whatever it is that you want to call it. And then you got to you got to sort of pump yourself up again, get to certainty back. Look, there's belief, faith, and certainty. And this is my opinion. Belief is active. Like, okay, I want to believe this, that, and the other. Okay, do. Okay, faith is like when you pray. You faith. You pray, and then you. The next day you pray again for the same thing. So you believe a little bit and you have a little bit of faith, but you don't really, you're not really certain about it because you're praying again for the same thing that you already prayed for. Then you have certainty. Certainty is where you completely detach yourself from how you're going to make it happen because you know it will happen. So everything we do with HIT, everything we do with all all of our businesses and enterprises is we people from belief to faith to certainty. Once you have certainty, your entire spectrum opens up and you can see the two most important things that, uh, the two most important things for success, in my opinion, when it comes to relational capital, and that is luck and coincidence. <laughs> if you ask any successful person, I mean, mega a successful person, you know, how much luck and coincidence played a role in their success, they're going to say easily 30%. So if, if I'm focused on one thing and worried about making money, and have a scarcity mindset, I will never have the chance to see the people that are standing right in front of me that can be my luck or my coincidence. So So
0: say that part again. You said that successful people will credit at least 30% to luck.
1: Luck and coincidence.
0: Okay. I'm so happy that you said that because I can't (laughs) tell you how many people come on either to the podcast or that I have conversations with. And when I tell them that half of my success is due to luck, they get frustrated because they want me to present it as though I had 100% control yep. over everything that happened because it gives people this sense of, yes, like you can go do it. And I just, it, it drives me nuts because I can't say that with integrity. I can't say or honesty that I deserve 100% credit for everything that I've been able to achieve or that's been given. I So much of it has literally been timing that I couldn't control, right. has been... Uh, you know some, to your point somebody reaching out and offering support that I that I couldn't control so I, I just want to first call off thank you for saying that luck plays a role in success at least a portion right. of it well and that doesn't take away from the idea that you can better position yourself for results through action I mean it yeah. doesn't it doesn't diminish no. the idea that you have some level of control over your own but results. a
1: lot of people think action means something outward right? There's a lot of action we have to do inward to to be able to prepare yourself to be able to even see that luck or coincidence. I promise you, you're 100% responsible for you receiving that that coincidence. I promise you. You wouldn't have never received it if you were stuck in a rut, if you were focused on one thing, if you were, you know, grinding your head to the ground. As people say, hustle and grind, which drives me nuts because for me, hustle and grind are two words that someone made up to make you feel better about working way too much. You know, (laughs) so, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's you are responsible for what happened to you. Most people, most people don't take yes. the responsibility when it's good, but they'll take it when it's bad. Like, oh, I know I screwed up, and then, you know that kind of stuff. It should be the other way around. Like, why is it right? It's the old adage that
0: you know, hard work puts you where exactly. luck can find you. Exactly.
1: But I, I, you know, I beg to differ hard work is also um, overrated. Uh, I think hard work means, you know, we're thinking blue collar here, right? You know, most most people, when you think hard work, they think blue collar. Um, And I I think hard work is work. I know that's cliche, but smart work is key. You delegate the task. You delegate the task, not the responsibility. You do a lot of collaborations. You do a lot of affiliations. You do a lot of joint ventures. And there you're just, you're managing processes rather than actually grinding your head to the ground, grinding your, your, your bones to the stone, you know, it's just it's just it's working smart, trying to right. leverage as many, you know, relationships as you have, which when you live by HIT, relational capital and life enterprise, you can absolutely do.
0: Well, you're speaking my language. <laughs> so, <a> little...
1: <laughs> I know, it sounds like uh, it. We're, we're right on key, brother.
0: Yeah. One, one thing I want to just give listeners, because uh, we haven't talked about it in the podcast, so I just want to define a couple of terms. So, you mentioned this difference between scarcity mindset and abundance mindset. And it's actually, for some reason, it's not something that's come up on the the podcast yet, but scarcity mindset is this view of the world where resources are finite and extremely limited. So therefore, if I have something, you cannot have it, or if you have something, I cannot have it. And so it's this idea that there are these limited resources And so when I'm trying to achieve something, everyone is competition for those resources. And that creates this idea that resources are limited, that they are scarce, and therefore I'm in constant competition with others for those resources. Whereas, as you mentioned, abundance mindset for definition and clarity is the idea that resources can be reworked and that they are infinite. And I don't just mean physical resources like water, goods like that, but this idea of intellectual capital, that the idea that as I help other people, that I'm actually creating more resources that can then be shared. And by creating more resources that can be shared, I actually get a larger portion in return. And so I just want to give that definition for people who are hearing it for the first time. And scarcity mindset is incredibly detrimental to goals and pursuing achievement because you will always feel like you're in competition, not just with others, but ultimately, you will find that you are in competition with yourself for resources. And, uh, and so if you're looking to achieve, you've got to get away from this idea that there are only so oh. many resources and that we're all in competition for them. And find this space where you actually recognize that by coming together and collaborating and working with each other, that there are so many resources available and that you can actually build additional and create new resources to be shared.
1: Right. And let me give you an example. I had a, I have a, a, actually my speech writer came to me and said, look, I got this client and she has a problem. She had someone who she could introduce to a client um, because they asked her to, but she's scared that if she introduces this person, they'll book that person instead of her as a coach. And I said, well, you have to introduce her fully and, and, and purposely with, that, with, the, um, with the intention of giving value to both of them. And what happens if they book each other and you're not involved, it's it's what you just did is you created what I call radiant value, right? So it's like ripple effect. So that radiant value is going to carry out to those two. How how, how excited do you think both of them will be that you selflessly gave them an opportunity to work with each other that's going to have a success? That's going to come back to you massively. And he was like, my God, it's amazing. And she did it, and she so she actually um, her her bookings went up massively. Why? Because she let go of that scarcity. I can't introduce some of that. What if they find out that they you know they coach and they charge more, or they charge less, and you know, and also abundance um, also contains the money. There's more than enough money for everybody on this planet to have as much as they want. Because what happens is it gets produced as soon as it's just like the person who ran the first two minute mile, right? Suddenly, everyone was doing it. It's the same principle. Once breakthrough, mankind att- is attached. We're all connected, and when one does something and creates that rhythm and creates that momentum, the next person, the next person, the next person. That's why there's more millionaires every year. That's why there's more, more of everything every year. As we grow, as we get older, as the planet uh, you know evolves, things become easier and things become quicker. Look at the every two months or whatever it is, or every six months, the computers get double as fast. You know, and this is not because of a computer. This is because of people. We're moving faster. We're learning faster. So every time you do something for the first time, you're setting an avalanche of movement for the entire planet to follow behind. So that's what that's what the abundance is that I'm talking about. And that's when I say there's never going to be uh, um, uh, there's ne- never never going to be a shortage of money. There's never going to be a shortage of, of materials. Never going to be a shortage of raw raw materials, if everyone follows this this uh, principle.
0: Well, I think that's a a fantastic example. And I want to add on that example just a a bit. So one of the things you see in the marketing world right now is this constant need to be in front of people all of the time. So the idea is if I'm not in front of people all of the time, they won't remember me when it's time for, for my services. So they have a need for my services. And if I haven't been in front of them constantly, then they won't remember me. And the the way that logic comes is because they haven't been creating enough value. The people will remember those who created the greatest value for them, not the ones that are just in front of them all of the time. So you can be in front of me all of the time, but if you haven't created value for me, I'm not going to think about you when it comes to the service that I need. But if you have created a powerful experience for me, It doesn't matter whether you're in front of me every day. I will remember that experience and I'll remember you. And so that is the the epitome of what she just did, which was create an experience that they will remember versus having to exert constant amounts of energy to be in front of people because you're not creating that value. Yep. So I I know it's not out yet, but you have this program coming out um, that, 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 well, I don't know what the the timeline right. for release is, but you have a program coming out that you've been building on, and you you touched on it just barely, the humble humble alpha right. CEO program. What can well, you tell us okay, about Well, okay, great.
1: It? I'm glad you brought this up. So many CEOs or executives or leaders only feel powerful in their own area of responsibility. Like you see, when, when I was when I had health clubs in, in, in Germany, uh, I wanted to meet the mayor. I would wait till he was in a sauna, and I would I would I would you know meet him there. Why? Because he wasn't in his position of power. He wasn't in his office. If I go to his office, then I have to bow to his power somehow. I have to find my way around his power. But if we're in the same place where we're both vulnerable, which is in the sauna, Germany, you're naked, so you, believe me, you're very vulnerable, <laughs> um, <and> I, <laughs> um, then we're both true. the same. So many most executives only feel power in their own area of responsibility, right? We focus on amplifying the humble alpha CEO to dominate any domain. And because of this, other CEOs and companies will want to choose you over the competition because you're that, as we were talking about, providing value. You're comfortable in every domain. You're comfortable in every surrounding. So the Humble Alpha CEO program is a custom program which is designed to take a leader and their senior direct reports from their current level of performance to a high-performing laser-focused team and to living a quality of life with certainty in everything they do. We talked about certainty. And all while we add at least $1 million in incremental revenue to their company in the first 12 months. So we work on the CEO itself. Then we work on the team. Then we work on investing in relational capital. Then we work on the, in capital, work on the million dollars. And then we work on quality of life. So it's a five-stage program. Uh, it's a year-long program. Most of it's done in six months. But then, of course, the, the last six months, is a lot of coaching. We have a lot, and, and the final, uh, there's a lot of goodies in there, so to say. We're working with a lot of cutting-edge material and the book. Is humble alpha CEO the five step program? Uh, so yeah, it's that should be coming out. Where we've already launched a pre launch of the program because uh, we're beta testing it, um, and it's amazing. <laughs> I got to tell you, um, the heaviest part that we see that's really, really taking root is hit relational capital, um, personal growth, um, and quality of life. You know, re- revenue is almost secondary to everyone we work with because they realize that revenue is the outcome of quality of life. You, know, you live that quality of life first, and the, the revenue is going to happen when you put your focus on those things that actually matter to you. You're going to be more empowered, more energy. Your team will be more will be happier. Your relationships will be more fruitful. You're going to feel love and joy around you all the time, and that makes you automatically better at everything you do. So that's what we teach. That's on the Alpha CEO program. Anybody who wants to get, you know, let us know. Just I'm sure you'll have a link at the bottom
0: for my for my email. And just hook us up. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I love the way it sounds, and, and you see that with with leaders where they are they dominate in a specific scenario or comfort zone, and uh, and what you see is they try to create those right, they try to right. create those scenarios because that's where they're comfortable, comfortable. Yeah. in. Um, you also see that when they get uncomfortable, they over rely on those kind of strengths or areas. Yep. Um, which can be detrimental to experiences and opportunities and environments where a lot of more value could be Massive. created. So I think the program uh, brings a ton of value to CEOs to executives who are looking to create right. that comfort and, and productivity in a variety well, of scenarios. A lot, a, of, a
1: lot of people don't even realize it. A lot, a lot of leaders don't even realize it until they're actually put in that position. And, and what see all of this stuff I'm talking about here, all of this you know hit and, and then humble alpha and uh, this is my life. This is how I live my life. So. I, you know, I've, as you know, I walked up to Mick Jagger and said, I'm your new bodyguard. Like simple as that. I just walked right up to him and I got the job. I, you know, walked up to Andrea Bocelli and said, you need me. I'm going to show you why. Give me 15 minutes. And he did. And he hired me. Right. Um, Olivia Newton-John, I brought her company to, to six countries in Europe. She didn't even know who I was. Right. So this is, that's how certain I am in every arena of life. And if I can do that, You know, in the because I was, you know, all the way up to, you know, directors, all the way down, managing director, all that kind of stuff, all the way down to a doorman in Berlin back in the day. I was always certain of who I was. And it all starts with you. And if you're not certain with who you are, you can't be certain in anything. So what you do is your personality turns into your position. I'm the CEO of, I'm the CEO. Oh, look, there's a CEO, the CEO, CEO. They don't say Bob or Jim. They say the CEO, right? So we take that identity from as being CEO to being who you are. And that's why part of the program, the most important part, is finding the identity and your purpose. So once you have that, the title is secondary. Believe me. When you stand in a room and you own that room without saying a word, and I can tell you when one person does it, it's Bill Clinton. When he, when he, he, I, I had my back turned to, to the door when he walked in, and I felt him coming. I was like, holy shit, who's that? Turn around, there he was. And what did I do? Like, oh, I walked up and said, hey, Bill Clinton, how you doing? Shook his hand. He said, hey, how you doing? That's just a little trick, by the way, if you, if you want to get to um, people that are in powerful positions, just use their whole name. Don't say Mr. Clinton, President Clinton. Don't say Bill or Willie. Use their whole name, first and last. <laughs> <Willie>. every, yeah. <laughs> Use their first and last name always. It works every time. Because they look at you like, do I know this guy? Don't I know this guy? What's the deal? Da, da, da. Yeah. They just they just take it for granted. Next thing you know, you're in a great conversation.
0: I mean, this is all really powerful stuff. I, I love the, what you're sharing out there. I love this whole idea of helping executives get more comfortable and the idea of you know your personality really driving who it is that, that you are and what you become both personally and professionally. Right.
1: Well, it's, and it's, it's, yeah, so important. I'm sorry, it's so important. I'm oh, sorry, I'm going to cut you off, but it's so important that people realize yeah, that identity is who they are, not what they are. Right? right. Who are you for real? And, you know, it's really difficult to find out who you are, unless you let go of all of the things that you think you're supposed to be doing or have to say or have or have to do. And that's what this program's all about, you know. I mean, th- these are these are people that are out there. You know, our, our the minimum qualifications are about 150k a month in uh, in, in profit and in, in business for about three years. So that's the smallest business we, we have to work with. And you know, these these are in a place of high stress. They're in a place of growth. They're in a place of transformation. And they're not going to get there unless they have the certainty of that who they are can take that company where it needs to go, not what they are. You know, and that can mean a lot of, it can mean a lot of different things. And it's so powerful. I got it, man, I, you know, I could go on forever about this because I, I went through this whole thing, right? I, I went through that kind of a, kind of a process, Kyle. So it's, it's, uh, it's very, very, um, fulfilling to do this, uh, with, with some great leaders.
0: Well, I mean, those are the best processes—the ones that are created from real life experience and come out of trial and tribulation, and and are able to find a way, a route to success. Yep, for indeed it is. Huh. So, for people who are listening who want to be involved, they want to be accessing resources. Where should they go? Can they follow you? Can they go access you somewhere?
1: Sure. My website is stephen cooncom So it's Stephen with a V dash I'll sure I'm sure it'll be in the notes. It will. Yep. Yeah, and my there's an email on there. You can write me. Just click on contact Stephen. And it goes directly to my inbox. Um, and uh, other than that, follow me on Facebook, Stephen Kuhn Official. Um, I do a live video every morning. It's called the Daily Purge. And <laughs> nice. I'm on episode 241, so it's been doing it for a while. Nice. And I do one awesome. one business episode a week, typically on a Friday night. Um, I used to do. I did it 19 months every day. Just to, just to gain like like you said you know as all the uh specialists you gotta you gotta do it every day <laughs> yeah and now I don't Impressive. yeah Now I don't though because I don't need to do it every day except for the daily purge I actually do that for me it's a, it's like a two a mm. two minute purge of what my days gonna be like sure. and and uh so yeah that's where they can reach me Twitter as well, but Twitter—I don't understand awesome. Twitter. I got like twenty-five thousand followers. No idea. I, I tweet something, I get like one like. I don't even know what. It, I don't even know what. It, like to, maybe you got to complain on Twitter. Maybe that's why it's not
0: working. Yeah, I think you got to be. Uh, talking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, folks, uh, if you want to go check out Steven's stuff, Stephen Kuhn, we'll include the links in the description. Stephen, really appreciate having you on in this episode. Uh, love your your life story, your journey, the stuff you are working on. Really incredible stuff. Thank
1: you so much. It was a a real pleasure to be here.
0: Absolutely. So my friends, that's another episode of the Art of Strategic Reaction. Don't forget to go like and subscribe to the podcast if you enjoyed this episode. And uh, stay tuned for upcoming episodes. All the best, my friends.